Welcome to the Football Podcast. Here we dissect Scottish football. Because basically, it's all we care about. Hello, we're back. Football, episode two. And um, we said that uh, last week, you know, hopefully there'll be stuff for us to be talking about. And of course, there mightily is. Now, right away... I'm going to throw this at you. Um, no, I've no mentioned anything about this, but obviously we're talking about the league being called, right? So I'm going to read out the league for you right now. The positions as they stand, right? Are you ready for this? Aye. From top to bottom. Rangers, Hearts, Clyde, Dumbarton, St Mirren, Patrick Thistle, St Johnston, Aberdeen, Dundee United, Falkirk, Dundee, Forfa, Ayr, Livingston, Stirling Albion. Do you know what league that is? State of the league. Correct. State uh, of 16. So Hunds have got 16 statements. Aye. Seen it in Illinois. It's fucking sensational. Hunds have got 16. Hearts have got 15, but Hearts have done the most words. Aye. Hunds have an extra paragraph to explain things that could be done in a sentence. Um. I'm not really sure what's going on now, to be quite honest. Um, do any of you have any idea? It's genuinely difficult to keep up with everything. The outrage and, and people's stances, I, I don't... It's getting a bit tiring, to be honest. I mean, Jose, are Hertz relegated yet or what? <laughs> I mean, I of course they fuck not. It's like, I'm guessing it's going to be official the moment. Mm-hmm. Or within a couple of days, but as it's like, was it yesterday or the days, the days record or whatever, which was saying the fucking hairs off the room and all I like reconstruction is back on the table. It's like how there were six sides against it a fucking week ago. Mm-hmm. It's like you're saying that at least three of them have changed their mind. It's right. like what has happened to change these these teams' mind? And I was like, I didn't understand it. I, can't, I mean, I can't. No, I, didn't, I didn't understand that either. Like, I seen the, the initial BBC story said it highlighted it said. Uh, Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, Hertz, are all for it. But then, as a matter of fucking, if ten teams are for it, mm. if, if there's two teams that, against it, then it doesn't work. Then the six, if there's six against it last week, there's not going to be a fucking five, five team swing this week. So I don't understand myself why it's coming back on the table. I mean, Turkey's, Turkey's only going to vote for Christmas, are they? No. I mean, the one, the one that I added as well, and it was one which I totally passed me by, and it was like, it's fair Clyde support. And they were saying, well, we get relegated. And I was like, oh, well, it's not fucking relegated. It's like, you're basically still going to be in the third tier. Mm-hmm. But what their point was, was that they got promoted last season. Their crowds went up to an average of 600 up to 900 mm-hmm. because they got bigger sides in that league. They reckon that Clyde would get hit and it cost them about 100 grand to basically do that restructure. And it's like, why the fuck would we vote for this? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I And it is, and it's to me, I'm like, well, yeah, that... Entirely makes sense to me. It's like as soon as, as, soon as I see it way do it, I was like, I no, this actually makes sense to me. It's like, why the fuck did they vote for it? So you've got four teams there, and the book, like, basically at the bottom of week two, it's like they're pretty much guaranteed to be against that. But the 14 team sweet third beer is what the second, the league two sides have said that they're going to take. Mm-hmm. It's like, there isn't, a, there isn't a plan 
which exists, which can fucking make everybody happy and fucking vote for a plan. It's like if there was a dollar to be done, it wouldn't have taken. It wouldn't have taken this to happen for that to actually occur. It's just fucking mental. Yeah, uh, and the thing, the problem as well is the, the top sides. Apparently, quite a lot of the players are for it, but they want it permanent. Some of the clubs want it temporary. Other clubs want it permanent. There's no, there's no a consensus, and there's not going to be a consensus unless there's a massive, unless. Budge has got some kind of ace up her sleeve that she can thinks she can convince everybody, but I don't see how that wouldn't have already been on the table. <laughs> the chances you have mentioned that isn't that fucking higher, wouldn't Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of these things where uh, you know it's, it's I mean, we're literally now two months since we last played football in Scotland, and we're still fucking fanning about you know we, all the kind of self interest and all that kind of stuff, and it, you know it just. You know, we've seen, I mean, for me anyway, we've seen different types of self-interest in England with this kind of rush to get the players back, you know, and it kind of feels like to me they're being made sort of sacrificial lambs for the government's incompetence. Um, but in Scotland, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans and, and officials at clubs just seem to live in cloud cuckoo land. And as you say, Tozzi, you know, this whole thing about fairness, I mean, whatever happens, it's not going to be fair to somebody. You know, it's as simple as that. And, um, you know, again, you know, I'll tell you one of the things that's really pissed me off this week is, I don't know if you've listened, Sports Sound are now doing this lunchtime bulletin every day. And um, it's basically fucking ill-informed people going on and spouting a lot of shit every day for half an hour. And every single day this week, Stephen Thompson's been on saying, it's completely unfair and we need to finish the season. And not one person has just said to him, how do we do that? If the season was able to get finished, they'd be fucking... I know, I mean... They'd be getting done. I mean, this, we're, you know, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. I mean, you know, we've had nonsense coming for the SPFL, or, oh, well, hopefully we'll get things games back in July and all this kind of thing. You're like, what fucking planet are you living on? And people try to compare it with German football, who have got endless amounts of money and all the rest of it. And I watched... I didn't watch any of the games or that, but I watched Dortmund fans' reaction to um, sort of sitting there. And bear in mind, a lot of them had, had the opportunity to sit in the pub and watch a game. Were like this, they were all just basically saying, "Look, this is a fucking farce." Like you know, I'm not what. And they were talking about a lot of guys were talking about their twelfth man, the yellow wall, and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, I, I watched a bit, and it's just bizarre. Like I get as a means to finish a season that's already started. Mm. New season starting. I don't see why you wouldn't tell you about the fans personally. In the German football, like, the standards and stuff were still good, but they scored a goal against Chalka, which is a rivals, mm-hmm. and then they all had to stand two metres apart and couldn't even celebrate, which is farcical when you can then smash into somebody in a oh, slight no. tackle right. or, a, or a corner or stand in a wall. It just it doesn't seem right. I, and we can't compare to Germany anyway, as you say, like the money they've got and the resources, and even with that, they're still finding cases to players testing positive and haven't you isolated, doesn't it? It's just not possible here. The only way it'd be possible is if you say, we'll put it to a conclusion when it's safe, but then you've got the problem with teams not going to have players with your contract and completely different squads. So, kind of see how it can get finished. So, I mean, even, Thompson are still going on a bit. I mean, even even just with the German one, apparently the cost for each game, just for the testing that they're doing in Germany, they've got fucking loads of testing, which we have not got here. The cost for each game getting put on is about thirty thousand euros. Mm-hmm. It's like, 
So how many clubs even in the fucking top league here can fucking afford to do that? I know. When they've got the income, even if fucking like everybody's turning around and saying, right, well, there's the guy being fans, which is the main part of fucking every club's fucking income. It's like, so how the fuck are you supposed to be turning around and splashing fucking 30 grand every fucking game? It's like, what? Clubs can they fucking get that amount of fucking game money fucking something? I know. Yeah. And it, to me, a lot of that comes for your strikes, the whole thing that we've had for years in Scotland where we continually compare ourselves to the English Premier League, which is just absolutely fucking laughable, like, you know what I mean? Um, and then, you know, well, unfortunately we do have people who see German football and go, oh, well, how can we not do that in Scotland? <laughs> well, where do you begin, basically, like, you know? But you take away the football side and the money side in the league... It's because their country have handled the crisis far fucking better as well. Yeah. They're in a position to return to it some degree of normality. Was, Germany was near that. Germany, it, was still, it was still badly affected, but in comparison, it was fucking wasn't it? It's like, so that's the reason why they're able to get fucking football up and running fairly rapid Aye. compared to everybody else. It's like, we're still fucking all sitting in our fucking boots and fucking unable to fucking do anything. I know. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that is their comparable situation. It's just not even remotely fucking close to you. And there's also, you know, we're still we're still at the seven hundred mark a day deaths, ah. which you know, I think I mean it just sums up uh, to me, kind of the British press that on the day we had the most deaths in this current crisis, um, they plastered that Boris Johnson was at the hospital, as if ah. that meant oh well that's all right then. Came I mean, and it's. I mean, I, I get, I get, like, I've argued with so many people when I get, I've got a different perspective, you know, working in a care home and seeing it up close and all that kind of thing. But the amount of people that say to me, you know, I mean, I've had every, I mean, I showed you one, Paul, where a guy said to me, do you honestly think this is really that serious? The the coronavirus, Ken? Because I've not, I've not, I didn't know anybody that's got it. And it's like, well, <laughs> you know, it's frightening. And also people were like, this, this, the thing, this this whole kind of narrative of you're taking away my freedom uh, by putting me in lockdown, you know, whereas, you know, the flip side to that to me is, you know, we're actually trying to save your life. Mm-hmm. But, you and know... It's like, it's, it's like you're taking... Aye, Kim, what? Your freedom is getting taken away, but your freedom, if you express it the way that you're fucking turning around and talking about data, mm. is potentially to kill people. So mm. that's no reasonable fucking level of fucking freedom. It's like you have to turn around and fucking like so. There's limits on what people can do and fucking everything, and it's like there always has been, there always will be. Yeah, you, you can't go out and fucking stab somebody because you're free to fucking do it. Mm. It's like there's war against it. You can't go out and fucking like do damage to other people, and it's like, and to me that doesn't seem that fucking that wild a fucking that wild a statement to turn around and basically have that. You know what I mean? I know. I know. I think the big issue as well is it's shite for everybody. We're on the same boat. It's the people who think it's more shit for them so they can do what they want and you see them kicking people kicking about parks and I've seen, I've seen people playing football in the park the other day like, the guy's probably talking about 20 year old and there's about five of them and I'm like well what what are you playing at? Unless they're all in the same household but I'd, I would doubt it you know what I mean? That. It's, it is it is it's unbelievable I mean it's I mean I think in Scottish football especially like it's kind of got to the point where Fans are absolutely exasperated by the lack of leadership, the infighting, all the bickering, and all that kind of thing. I mean, if you you know you take, like, I mean, you take somebody like Tom English, who just seems to, I think he fucking lives in a castle on a mountain somewhere because doesn't he seem to grasp any kind of reality anytime soon. 
um, and yet he seems to be fucking like in touch with every CEO in Scotland who are all telling him this, that and next thing and it all turns out to be bollocks every single week and um, you know even yesterday he trailed this whole thing about the Huns oh it's nine o'clock tomorrow they're going to say this they've got to say that got to do this got to do that and all the Huns were in fucking you know gone mental saying this is it and then it turned out that all they were announcing was their fucking new um, sponsorship deal with that company I've never heard of before that Andy Murray fucking owns so you know, it's just there is a lack of reality, and um, you know, as I, said, I heard that Robert Winston saying, you know, he, he was aghast that fucking Germans were playing football again. And he's like, how the fuck do you have these situations with sweat and all this kind of thing jumping about, and you know, both on the pitch and off the pitch? You know, you see, I mean, I saw, as I said, didn't work, but the players walking out the Dortmund game with face masks on. What, what's the fucking point of that like? When you've got to take, I mean, that's like me walking up to somebody's room where who's got COVID with a face mask on and then taking it off when I walk in the room. I mean, I I with that. It was the same it was the same with their subs and stuff yesterday as well. But my my well, I mean it's a guess. I didn't care this for a fact, but what I thought was basically when you're in an enclosed space, that's when they're wearing masks. So it's like so you wear it fucking when you're actually in the fucking changing room or whatever. It's like that's the way I mean that one stuff it's probably the same with the subs. You're sitting basically on a bench, which is kind of a bit an enclosed area. Obviously, it's open on one side. But that was that was what I thought was the reasoning for that. I mean, I didn't care that that's what it was, but it was, still, it was looking at it and I was going, that would be that would be sort of logical thing for it. That would be the reason why it happened, is what I thought. I mean, but I didn't care. if you're talking about, you know, masks would be uh, you know, described as PPE, you know, your average PPE consists of a mask, a visor, scrubs, arm uh, protectors, uh, you know, all, all sorts of things. And then you're immediately, when you're coming in, in any contact with anybody, washing your hands for 20 seconds after that. None of which is happening on the pitch. Um, and it's, I mean, it just kind of, apart from anything else, I think I didn't, I didn't like the spectacle of it at all, the closed doors kind of scenario like you know it's um, to me like the, the analogy that I made was you know it, it doesn't matter when you play Real Madrid in a friendly it doesn't matter what the fuck who they are or whatever it's still a friendly you know ah. and I know these games are for points but you know without the fans that I mean football is the fans and unfortunately especially in Scottish football we get constant reminders that the fans didn't really give off only really thought about apart from anything else's customers you know the one I was watching I actually watched the game Watched the, I watched the Cologne game and we had their DJ on and it was like the reason why I saw it was like I thought about it was because they were playing Lock Lomond before the game I was like what the fuck why the fuck is Lock Lomond getting played at fucking Cologne but then it was like then I come to you and I was like also why the fuck have you got a PA and I was like there's no, there's no P there's no fucking public PA drinks it's like why have you got a PA and I was like fucking it was, it was fucking bizarre and it was, it was just like it was like this is really really fucking odd it's like my one week they keep interrupting fucking like press conferences and stuff for the weather. It's like we can't go fucking outside. I think we can hear fuck for the <laughs> I weather. Know, I know, I know. I mean, Paul, you obviously you're a hair supporter. You're used to playing, seeing a lot of games with any crowds here. Um, <sighs> what did you think of it? Ah, it doesn't look right, does it? It's shape F- football with fans isn't worth playing. To be perfectly honest, it's why I think Scottish football is going to struggle. Is it? Well, he would rely on the fans so heavily, but it loses interest as a spectacle. If the, and if the standard 
got two balls going for it. It's got a decent atmosphere. Well, in all the games. And if you take the atmosphere away and you're just left with the standard and you're not interested in the teams particularly and watching it as a neutral, it's not going to... Well, let, let me put a scenario to both of you, right? There seems to be this assumption in Scottish football, maybe right, I don't know, that the minute football we can all go back, there'll be everybody will be packing it out. What if that doesn't happen? I don't think it will happen. I don't think it's going to remotely happen like that. I think what the game fans will go back. I think. Sorry, Paul. What was that? Oh, I was saying, what do you mean? Like some fans will be allowed back, but not. No, I mean some fans will only bother going back. Oh right. Okay. It's a possibility. I mean, it's like, it's one of these things where it's like, if there isn't a fucking, if there isn't a vaccine or whatever, basically, if you've got it in football, mm. you're actually fucking doing something relatively dangerous because you're going to be in contact with thousands of other folk. Mm-hmm. It's like, not everybody's got to take that fucking chance. I mean, I, I'm kind of like, nah, it's fine. I want to go for a thing. I want to go for football. It's like, I want to fucking take that gamble. But it is a fucking gamble. And it's like, what do you... There isn't a way you're doing that safely if you've got something which is a fucking virus, which is fast. There isn't a way you're doing it safely. I'm kind of like reasonably healthy. It's like fucking, if I get it, I get it. Okay, what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. I don't drive. It's like, I've no way you get anywhere unless there's public transport. I'm not fucking staying in my house for it. It's fucking like until I die. Okay, what I mean? It's like fucking, that's just no life at all. Mm-hmm. That's just not at all. So it's like you've got to have to turn around and fucking take fucking calculated gambles. There's no fucking cure for it. I think you're right though. I think if there's no vaccine, there will be a lot of people that will just say it's not worth the risk. Especially if you're older or you've got people that have got vulnerable immune systems that live with you or you visit on a regular basis, then you, you probably wouldn't do it. Like, it's impossible. Like, I, I just think of big games like derbies or, or, or whatever. And how did you know? touch people if you score a goal I mean like, you get knocked all over the place people are shooting behind you they're, they're spitting they're coughing they're, there's absolutely no way to avoid contact at football I mean the other thing way. like you talk about going for a drink as well and I've seen plenty of footage of pubs saying well this is what we're going to be doing with social distancing and all that kind of stuff that's no applicable when it comes to football I mean everybody can's pubs room games you know you're 500 deep at the bar and all that kind of stuff um, that the whole experience is just going to, you know, it's kind of like um, I can't remember who I was reading it, but somebody in the music industry in America was basically saying nobody's realised yet that the music industry's finished. He said it's absolutely finished. He said the last bastion where we could make money were festivals, and that's gone. Festivals and gigs. That's how the fuck we turn into day festivals and gigs. That's. I mean, it's, it's the same with the. I mean, like, when you see people like, I don't know, did you see that Michael O'Leary this week for Ryanair basically saying, oh, we'll be back in July, everything will be fine and all the rest of it. Um, and you're just, you know, and he's saying, the woman say to him, Ken, well, you've only got one toilet on the plane or whatever, you've got to let everybody use the same toilet. Oh, I need what, Ken, what the fuck are you talking about? Again, it's just money, 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 money all the time, like, you know? I, th- I think there's a lot of businesses like Ryanair that just either aren't they accepting it or willfully ignoring it mm. and just think it's going to go back to normal and I think they're probably playing on this narrative of fucking people having lockdown protests and that that there's enough of a groundswell of opinion that we can't live like this forever and you can't but there, there is going to be a new normal it's a phrase that's chucked about all the time but it's a, there's going to be massive changes that will stick about mm. like handshake will probably go for, I mean like why are you going to 
Because even if you get a vaccine for this, the concern will be that something else will come around the corner and we should be adapting our lives now to make it less of this. And well, I think like uh... I, I think a pub I think you were just talking about it there, that this is what a pub's gonna be like. It's effectively like if you want to go for a pint, it's gonna be got a brewer's fair where you set a table, order to a table number, they bring your pints over, you've got a partition around your table. That's absolutely pish. That's not the pub experience. You know what I mean? Like you go there and argue with your mates over a table, how are you admit to do that if you're kind of behind the partition? Aye. My my theory is that within a year, people's whether if they live in a flat or if they've got a garden, whatever, will end up looking like pubs. They'll basically have them in their house or garden sheds and whatever, because, it, you know, as long, I mean, you know, how many vaccines have we ever actually came about? Smallpox has one, you know, um, a lot of the other ones have never just been better kind of controlled. You're right, I think the new normal is, you know, there is a lot of people in complete denial about this, but I think airline industries are one of them, definitely. You know, at what point can we honestly imagine everybody packing an aeroplane, you know, for 10 hours or 5 hours or however? Well, EasyJet were talking about having, like, the middle seat free, which, fine, right? With the middle seat free, but if you're on an aisle seat, you're still closer to the person on the other aisle than you would be the person at the window. Plus, they've got to get past you if they want to get out, or you've got to move the way to let people pass. These airlines, EasyJet and Ryanair make a lot of their money based on turnaround. Can they land in then twenty minutes back in the air? How can you do that when you need to disinfect the whole plane? But also, say they do social distance from the plane, and they have like so many seats empty. All that then in turn is passed on to the customer because their prices all go up, and the whole point of using them is because they're cheap and reliable. Well, relatively reliable, then it just wouldn't be worth it for some people. As if you turn around, if you turn around and only selling half the seats, they've got double trips. Right. It's not straightforward. It's that in fact probably more than that because the mere bodies they put on, the mere shit and sell actually won't play, which is where they go fucking massive margins as well. So it's like so they only be make they only make half the money on that as well. It is. It's just I'm not well, sure how we fucking feasible it is. Well, I tell you, I watched that fucking programme, The Real Marigold Hotel, which is basically old celebrities got to India, potentially to retire. And that seems a great fucking idea to me right now, I tell you, because apart from the fact, it's 45 pence a pint. Yeah. Right? The boy, this boy was... Cricket commentator, Blofeld or something his fucking name is, liked to get shirts made for himself, Ken Savile Row and all that pish. And he said it cost about four or five hundred quid to get this. And in India it was thirty quid. You know, yeah. the same shirt and all that kind of thing. And I was like, this looks fucking amazing because I mean I think I suppose lighting it up a bit, um something that's bit baffled me as well, Paul, is is Daniel Stendhal still the Hertz manager? As I'll just know he is. whether he is going forward, I don't know. Because I read the day what? he's never been he's not been in Edinburgh since March. Well, he went, he went back home when the lockdown was happening. He's not been back. But I suppose there's no much point in being here. Mm. If you're not in lockdown, he's well being with his family. But um, he's got he's got a clause in his contract that the club can break it if we go down. Mm-hmm. And he's on decent money. And whether or not he wants to be in that league either is another thing. So I think there's chat that he, he enjoys Edinburgh and stuff and he wants to stay. But I, I think the club will take the action that it's too expensive to keep up. Well, I think the three, the three is, yeah, is decent money, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, no, I, I, I'm the same with that. I think, I think he's got a break clause as well. 
my one was thinking from his point of view, if Hertz goes straight back up, aye, that's fine. If there's any fucking struggle at all, that's interesting. You know, level is fine. It's like, you can't, you can't make a count of the Scottish fucking championship and then be employable anywhere else. It's like, Hertz got relegated under them, aye. Obviously, there were special circumstances. I think you can explain that away. It's like that. Took over a side that was absolutely struggling in the fucking first place. It's like, if you turn around, they then still were relegated and then if they toil in the championship, fuck hell. It's like, that's that's not, that's not a CV which anybody's got to on. He's not that average yet. He will be if that is the work. May have faith in himself, but I think he's, he'll, be on a decent, he'll be on a decent amount of money. I think the problem as well though is if we go down we'll be looking at cut costs and it's not just him he'll be wanting backed in terms of his own staff and whatnot because he only got like one coaching one mm. coaching and then one for a month after that right. he wasn't really backed in that regard and we, we basically chucked him in the deep end with the transfer market and that as well and never gave him any kind of support he'd never dealt with a transfer in his life and he was having to do all the negotiations and that himself so you'll be wanting back in that, so it'll cost you money to get these guys in as well. I think the only only possibility I can see him saying is I think he does like it and enjoy it, and if he gets us back up first attempt, it looks relatively good for him. I think as well, though, that maybe he's not going to have many options. No many teams will be spending money out with their, their budgets already. Because I, I think a lot of Hearts fans seem to think that we can just like clean the slate and get rid of all these players, but who's going to take them? Where, where are they going for less money? I, I, I was only heard supporters that were confused between fucking relegation and fucking administration. It was like, it was administration the last time they let Hertz fucking ditch over fucking contracts. It wasn't a fucking relegation. Yeah. It's like, came up mean. It's like, I think Hertz supporters like, well, we'll just get shot at all these players. It's like, Hertz supporters were presumably the highest, the highest offers in terms of wages for these players in the fucking cross mm. It's like, so, given that financially fit was going to be quite firm, Who's going to be offering them fucking their money? They've, been, they've also all been shy. That's the reason why people are wanting rid of them. It's like hell. No, and I think, I think exactly that. To be honest, I think the vast majority of the squad will end up staying. The ones that have got deals beyond next season. There's a quite a few that are out of contract as well, which I can imagine everybody in contract will be gone. Die. I mean, it's it's a really it's a really bizarre scenario. It hurts how you know. I mean, you take somebody like Naismith. Now, he was clearly offered the long contract at Hertz to, to get him, you know. Why you would give somebody that money on that lengthy contract with that injury record is fucking bewildering. But clearly that was the way you getting him. Then there's the pursuit of Stendhal, which, you know, I just, I mean, who was it? I'd love to know who it was that was so adamant that Stendhal was the man for the job. Therefore, we'll just sort of write off six weeks of the season while we try and get him. Um, and ultimately, that six weeks of the season is what's going to send Hertz doing. Because I think I, I personally think Stendhal's the right guy, but completely the wrong time. And he inherited a shit show. And as you say, the six-week delay in getting him, there's there a lot of stuff with his co- contract and legal disputes and stuff. Well, wait a minute, what do you but mean he's the right guy, but the wrong situation? I like, so, no, I like him. What's the right think... situation for him, like? Eh? What's the right situation for him? No, no coming in six weeks with fucking a caretaker manager that nobody wanted to play for and an absolute shit show the season we'd had. I, 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 my, my one with Stendhal is I, I, you can turn around and see what he's trying to do and I, I think it's look, to look better 
they're better to actually watch under him than they were under Levine. But I, I think it, I think it was a bad appointment. No, because I think he's a bad manager. But I think you can't appoint a manager like that fucking halfway through the season where he's got to completely change the way that you have to play, especially when you're already fucking toiling. It's like that's that's a shit situation to actually come in. He's turned around. Oh well, we've got to fucking basically completely change every single thing we're doing on the pitch, and it's like that takes a while to fucking come in. It's like that. I think he's the man. In, term, in terms of replacing Levine, I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was a good decision to turn around to replace him at that point in the season. Next next summer, I I think would have been a good appointment for her. She gave him an entire full season. You turn around to say, right, this is the squad that you've got. This is what you're working with, and then you can turn around and say, um, and then you can turn around and say, right, that's you. You put a fucking fresh start. You've got through season. You've had the you've had the preseason well. This is the way you're going to be playing. It's like I think it would be a good appointment. Then I think it was a fucking terrible appointment at that point. That's, that's kind of what I mean. I think he's a decent, but I think he's a decent manager. I know there'll be people that didn't think that, but I think he, it's the wrong appointment at the time because exactly that. He was a completely changing style. He done well at Barnsley because he went in and got a pre-season, as you say, and got to bring his own players in. He never got to do that, and then the players we did get, you're not telling me fucking Marcel Langer was his first choice midfielder. You know what I mean, a guy that played under twenty-three football in Germany in third division or something. Right. And if it is his first choice, then maybe he is a fucking idiot. So. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, the whole thing was really. But I mean, what I, th- I remember that when he the day he was appointed and Hertz released that statement about how he'd finished five points ahead of Jack Ross's Sunderland or some shit. I just thought, what the fuck? It's like we do anything, right, Ken? Um, I really, I mean, I, personally myself, I think Craig Levine would have. Steadied the ship by you know I don't think that's what I mean. Both with the league, you know, towards no, the end of the season. I think, think Castle might have torn itself to bits. The atmosphere was fucking toxic. Aye, and I, I think that that's the one as well. It's like and people were I, stopping spending money and going to the games. Crowds were dropping massively. Aye. you had to go. But I think you're right. I don't think we would have went doing because I think he would have been that fucking rigid and boring that we'd have got a few more draws here and there and a few one nil wins over the course of the season. I think that's probably right, to be honest. And it's like, but there would have been long term damage getting done because fucking, once people still got to fit on, they aren't necessarily getting them back that easy. Mm. And it's like, it's easy, it's easy as fuck to say the hindsight. Levine should have been away. He should have left it mm. the last year. It's like, absolutely need to regret. It's I mean, like, but let me, ask you, let me ask you about that because I remember before that there was a lot of talk, Paul, that that was going to happen. That Levine was going I, to go at the end of the season, and it just suddenly evaporated. I don't know. I, my feeling is he was maybe planning to walk away, mm-hmm. and then he thought after it, like, he got a wee bit good ball for Hearts because <laughs> Hearts fans, but mainly because when I got pumped in the final, which I think is what everybody expected, right. that would have been the time for him to walk away. But I think he maybe thought he could turn it runs, and you know, because Levine is the most stubborn man in fucking Scottish football, so if he thought he could do it, he'd stay on there. I mean, it's the, the damage that that man has done, and by extension, Anne Budge, because she's enabled it to the hearts, has been absolutely incredible. Like, really, um, you know, when you look at the wage bill and you look at the fact there's three managers on the payroll and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, contracts given to fucking guys who are clearly no good enough, um, you know, there had to be, you know, uh, I mean, what point in the season, Paul, would you say actually started to fucking seep into Hertz fans that we're in serious trouble here? 
I think it's been feeling like December onwards it started to feel like it's, it's real and it's a real relegation battle I think there was a bit of hope when after the winter break we had a half decent run but we were all playing better and we beat Rangers and a couple of decent wins in there it was a cup, but they were in our shite teams, but it at least gave you a wee confidence to stay win games with clean sheets and stuff. I thought I think the majority of Hearts fans thought we'd be getting out quite easily, but then it's it, it, it's came to the crunch games, Hamilton, St Mirren, ones where you need to battle and the other team are fighting for their lives. I don't know if it's the players no go at the bottle or we just thought we were better in these teams. It's never happened. I think um Probably the, it's probably not till the St Mirren game we actually started going fuck because I think we thought we'd win after winning at Easter Road and we, well we beat Rangers won at Easter Road we drew with Motherwell and played relatively alright and I think we thought right if we go and beat St Mirren now we'll be alright and then we turned up and were probably the worst performance of the season by an absolute mile I think we had a shot on target I mean see the thing is like, I mean, again it goes back to my own personal opinion about how horrific the punditry in Scotland is is that every single week all you heard was oh Hertz will be fine aye, aye they'll get the players out you know kind of thing and I remember just sitting there thinking what are they basing this on this oh the players are underachieving when did these players achieve it's you know it's, I mean I still think we've underachieved for the squad I still think it's, it's who, the who's underachieving in that squad who should be who should be pushing the Hertz up the league with that team Smith, Suter, Naismith, should all be better. Alkit was good last season, it was fucking terrible for us. I'm not claiming there are, I'm not claiming any of them are world class or anything like that, or top class, but they should be better than both in the league. I mean, there's any, any players you've named, there's any of the players that I would say is going to win you a game. Naismith was last season, but I don't know if it's. I don't know. But then um, maybe no win games on the rain. Do you mean last mistake. season as in the season How just passed? The one before. Oh, fucking, does anybody remember that league? Right, well, but well, my point being is that none of these players I'm saying individually should be winning games, but when they're making mistakes and costing you games, and they shouldn't be, they're better, they're better than that. Or should be better than that. We've not had a midfield, that's the problem. We've not had a centre midfield, a proper centre midfield for about fucking three seasons. But again, I mean, what? So what? You if you if they're good enough, what are you putting the mistakes doing? Don't know. Organization, confidence. I don't know. Or they've not got the fucking bottle. Or if, just, I, if, if the answer was obvious, I think we'd have sorted it. Or, or maybe they're just not good enough. I've seen I've seen far worse players. Well, I've seen worse players for Hearts, and they've been far more comfortable than the ones I've seen. I mean, I. And obviously, I don't watch fucking Hearts anywhere near as much as you or whatever. And at the start of the season, I, I turned around and I was like, I think Hearts have a better squad than Hearts. And it was like that. By the time we go to about September, October, I was like, no, they have me. I think they're shit. They're actually shit. And it was like, just so you like, seeing them, I was like, they aren't very good. And it was like, it, it didn't to me look like one thing. It, it wasn't the way they were set up or anything like that. I think. I think what Levine done was, I think he recognised that it wasn't a very good squad. And it's like, players like talking about somebody like Neesmith or whatever. Neesmith, he's not young and he's had a lot of injuries. It's like, it affects players. 
And it's like, it's the same with somebody like Suter as well. It's like, he's had, he's had a lot of injuries. And it's like, everybody, a lot of health supporters just seem to think, well, ah, he's had injuries, but as soon as he comes back, that's how he'll be back to the point where being good. That was sort of the defence. And it's like, doesn't necessarily always work like that. I mean, that there's health supporters now that say, like the fucking Porteous. I'm like, ah, he might. But there's no guarantee of that at all. You can't guarantee that people come back to injury, you know. Back to straight back to fucking like their best. So like the one the one we had, which is like a fucking totally obvious one, is Hamlin. Hamlin was good for us for like so a good a good spell, like so probably three, four years or something. Mm-hmm. Turned around, picked up an injury last season. Didn't look anywhere near the same player. Started to get a bit better this season as the season was gone on. But it took that that took a year. That took a year mm-hmm. for him to start getting back to the same sort of level. Aye, I, I don't disagree. There's, there's players that have had injuries and bad injuries, and Levine especially was bad for chucking them right back in the team. Aye. Far earlier than they No build-up matches, friendlies, or reserve matches, whatever, anything like that. No half an hour here and there. They were right back in the team as soon as they were fit. No, they weren't fit. But I think what you said there is right as well, though. There's no one thing. Is Levine built a fucking horribly unbalanced squad? Well, that's what I see. You said about Levine saying you recognised the squad wasn't that great. Well, it was how it fucking assembled it. Obviously, I didn't think he was deliberately signing the shite players. He obviously thought fucking the players were going to be half decent. And then it turns out they won me. I mean, but I think he recognised that this was not a very good fucking side. And that's when he fucking reverted to fucking just Levine ball. Where it was like you turn around, you keep it tight. You fucking turn around, you didn't see many. You turn around and try to pick up fucking chances. I mean, I didn't, I didn't have that particular work either. No, I was going to say, I never can't remember. I'm keeping it tight very much. <laughs> Aye, but you could see, but that's what, but that's what he was trying to get them to do. And it's like, but I think you reverted to that on the grounds that he noticed that fucking we're actually pretty shite. I mean, it's like. See, see the thing about Levine. Um, seeing his first spell at Hertz, was he no running for actually signing some decent players? Uh, I was just going to say, I think the major difference for the first spell to this is he had a good eye for a player in the first spell. Mm. Same guys like Hartley and stuff that were all day and all right for St Johnston mm-hmm. and became a linchpin for us. And he, he signed guys like Gandy Webster, like for the lower leagues. And it's like he just gave up with that a, a sort of trying to actually nurture signings. And the amount of turnover we've had the last couple of years. Mm. Like yeah. I, three three year deals and stuff for, for guys, and then they're just discarded. Like, you look at one man, right? Maybe a, bit, a big fan of Merchant or whatever, but he scored goals for us. He got 15 mm. goals in his first season. And then we just binned him. For what reason? We never did to replace him. Bjorn Johnson binned him. Then he went for £5 million in Holland and scored 20 odd goals in the Erdivis. Mm. We've had some half decent players that just get binned on a whim. And we've also had some shite that have got like three year contracts and and then moved on after a year. And it's. There's, there's, doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. It's like Chuck. Keep chucking players until you mm. fix it. Mm. I mean, it's by the way, that's a notification starting again, Jose. I know. Obviously, only for the Donald Trump. If you would just delete the grinder app, it would be <laughs> quite fucking simple. Um, but it's see when you talk about Paul and uh, what going because something somebody actually asked me a question to ask the both of these. What was that? Honestly, Jose's about as technological as a fucking. The Scarlet Pimpernel. Actually, while we're on technology, Jose, can you just explain how it is you never answer text messages? Well, at this moment, I think I'm busy as fuck. 
Busy as fuck, aye. I'm working 12-hour shifts in a fucking care home with COVID sufferers. What is it you're doing? Well, I'm fucking paying 2,000 fucking people. Paying 2,000 people? Yeah. Well, you can't just throw a comment out like that and then fucking... <laughs> Well, that's my job. Well, that's my job. It's like fucking, and it's basically this. This is the point of the month that you're having to turn around and fucking make sure that man's right. So is that so is, like, is that are you telling me that involves anything else than sitting in front of a computer and order a phone? Don't know why, but it's like it's fairly involved. Like you're not going to their houses with a pay slip or anything. <laughs> not necessarily. No. But but how does that explain you know answering text messages? Because I tend to fucking see them. I tend to see a text and I'll, I'll get back to that later. But you never do. I mean, I, well, asked, I, I asked you a question, right, which was, did you, was it, am I right in seeing your ma was a massive John Colquhoun fan? Need I, response. Aye. Aye, see it now, a week later. <laughs> well, I was supposed to be speaking to you on Sunday anyway, so it's like that, you asked. <laughs> fucking hell, man, honestly. You, you, I said to Paul before, you've basically turned into your old man, like. Your old man, I said to you, he is the sort of guy, you phone him up or leave him a message and he gets back to you a month later saying, oh, I'm just getting back to you now, why? What? You have fucking <laughs> the idea what you phoned <laughs> him about in the first place? It was, it was, uh, that, that's like, fucking, like, my wee brother went up and picks him up, like, when we got used to road, and it's like, and he'll send him a message and say, I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up the morning at two o'clock, mm-hmm. and he doesn't reply. He's like, "Ah, well, no, you said you were going to pick me up at two o'clock, and I'll go back to you if there's any issue." Like, just fucking acknowledge it so that I can that you're going to be there. <laughs> but that's exactly what you do. I remember uh, once years ago, uh, emailing or something, and you see, and I said, "But you never responded email." And he goes, "Oh, yeah, I just assumed you knew I read it." Like, uh, what does that even mean? Um, and second, what was the other thing? Uh, aye, because obviously I'm currently updating a book I wrote 10 years ago from our book with love and there was, a, first of all, in the book there is a story about you having me waiting on your piece of the book till the very last minute and just at the point when the book was going to go away the piece came in and then there was the other story um, and I'll let you tell it so, so people don't think I'm biased about the, which I'd completely forgotten about until I read it again in the book was the, the, the story about the Shakespeare sister single. What was that? I can't even mind that at all. It was someone sat on it wasn't yours, it was Dav's. Somebody sat on it in your room and he blamed you because your room was that messy. Ah, he did. He did. What the fuck's that mean? It was like that. It was fine when it was fucking weird. It was, it was like fucking somebody else fucking sat on it. It was like that. It was like, it's your fault because your room's a mess. Like, I felt it was harsh. <laughs> it was uh, the, clearly the messiest room probably in Europe anyway. Pretty much, yeah. Um, it's bizarre that you mentioned Shakespeare's sister because I had a fucking mental breakdown the day trying to get it to play on Alexa and it turns out I was asking for Frankenstein's sister and having something. Frankenstein's <laughs> sister? <laughs> <laughs> Please stay by Frankenstein's sister. Like, why is it no good? See, my, this is Alexa fucking being biased against Scottish actors again. Fuck off, Alexa. My <laughs> wife Fiona got that Alexa thing at Christmas for someone, and doesn't really get the concept. She'll say, can you, "Alexa, can you play that song that goes?" Uh, and he walked into the room. You know, no, you know, you have to tell them the title. I, I can't mean the title. Oh, fuck, you know. Um, I didn't really. 
I mean, I find Alexa a bit bizarre. Although I have to say, it is responsible for one of the things, funniest things I've ever seen in a film. Have you ever seen that movie Us? Aye. Where, have you seen it? It was basically there's a home invasion scenario, and the woman shouts, "Alexa, call the police!" And it plays "Fuck the Police" by NWA, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was quite funny. But um, aye, so basically, Jose, you have turned into um, your old man, like. And, and and Paul, um, you know, you went off the grid for 24 hours, in the last 24 hours, with the, the nonsense that, oh, I never got a notification for a message. I never, I never noticed you replied. Why not just check? Because I, 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 I rely on my notifications. If I've got something, I'll look at yeah. it and, and read it. Honestly. I bet you're wearing a pair of slippers right now, eh? No, I had to actually look at my feet there, no. Aye, <laughs> just wearing socks. Piping fucking slippers. So, aye, aye. So anyway, somebody asked me a question last week after listening to this podcast, which was, and Paul kind of touched on that a wee bit, was talking about the toxic atmosphere at Tynecastle. And um, he wanted to know if you thought when Celtic visit Tynecastle or Easter Road, why is it, is there any other reason that it's more toxic at Tynecastle other than the kind of religious, you know, sectarian baggage thing um, or are Hibs supporters just genuinely different? Bet there's a word you're looking for <laughs> Bet <laughs> I don't know I, I didn't apart from that side that you were talking about I don't think it is any different for when like Hibs or Rangers come to think I, I dislike them so they get abuse I think that's the, the same for the majority there is obviously people I've got other opinions and that's obviously plays a part of it but I don't think it's any more toxic for the majority than than the other games it's not like Hibs and Rangers get a, a good welcome I mean Hibs alright I'll buy that I'm not sure about the Huns I mean Hibs and Celtic have both had players and managers and that attacked at Tynecastle or attempted to be attacked because they're fannies <laughs> but I know that, like, the, the thing we the, the last one at Easter Road, some from a coin, it happens. Like, the people are flinging bottles at Easter Road at, at Celtic players. Does it mean that it's a, it's No, a, I know that, but what I'm saying is when you, it's a, you're always going to get half wits. But the, I'm talking about, you know, I mean, I can remember, you know, I mean, the boy ran on to try and attack Derek Laird and the boy tried to attack Neil Lennon, you know, that's a different thing for some kind of just throwing a bottle, you know? Hibs. It's a derby. People are fucking. Moaning. You're absolutely choking to see they bring it on themselves, eh? Hibs, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> see, I knew it. <laughs> Only because that boy got on the pitch before me with Ryerton. <laughs> Ryerton scored the winner that night, did he not? Aye, that's why. That's why the boy ran on the park. <laughs> Aye, and managed to fucking punch himself, which was fucking sensation. It was, it was just like, I ran on to attack Derek Lander and then they'll punch himself in the feet. Like, I, I was going to get, I was like, that boy's just wearing a fucking attack fucking back. I was like, how the fuck did he do it? I was like, I can't even see. Ryan did the deal with like, a punch. It was where I said, like, like, I'm going to show Derek Lander and Alex, I've got to go and I've got to punch myself in the face right in front of him. He then also shot as well when Ryan stood up to him. And I'm like, Aye. Oh. He, 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 
you didn't want to see people run on the pitch, right? You, you clearly didn't. But if you're going to do it, didn't make a complete fucking arse of yourself as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Derek Larden, I'm, you know, one of my favourite stories about him, and this is the kind of guy you're dealing with, is that when Hertz beat Hibs 4-0 in the semi-final, he was suspended for... And a guy, a hip supporter on the ferry boat said to him, it was your fault we got beat because you were suspended. Derek Radden's reaction to that was to heat button. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the king the guy you're dealing with. So why, you know, you, you choose your um, targets a wee bit better, I would say. Like, you know what I mean? Um, but, I, I mean, it's funny, like, I went to a few games, it hurts games, back in the late 80s, early 90s with your brother Mark. And... Um, there didn't seem to be, you know, and I've been a hell of a lot of Hibs games subsequently um, since then. But I don't know, it's like, although they, then the Hertz fans used to openly sing things like the Sash and all that, it never felt as kind of vitriolic as it does now. And, no, and they didn't no. sing the kind of orange songs as much, you know, as, and collectively or anything like that, you know? I just think. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I didn't particularly, personally, I didn't I, feel like the atmosphere was a wildly different. Especially with the last few years when we played Rangers in that since the championship season. Is, it's been pretty uh, toxic with them as well. Because their fans absolutely hate us, which is good. I mean, the thing is, somebody says to me... There appears to be a common denominator here, by the way. <laughs> but somebody, <laughs> says to, somebody says to me, I hear some hated us since Love's G86. And I'm like, okay, fair enough. But... The following year, the Celtic casuals threw a GS gas canister at the Hibs end. Say casuals or whatever, but at the Hibs end. Hibs would have far more sort of reason, I think, to hate, you know, Celtic fans or whatever for that reason. But but that's never mentioned. I've you know, I've can't remember a, a time I went Easter Road in the last 20, 30 years and somebody's went, oh, you cunts that threw the CS gas canister or anything like that. Whereas it's because we, I think with stuff like that there's a there's kind of there's also there's also a bit of knowledge fucking like behind these things as well mm. where people are like they can that it wasn't that was it wasn't a planned attack with fucking the 10,000 Celtics right. or something it's like that it's one fanny that's done it mm-hmm. it's one fanny that's done it and it was also it was kind of quite widely known at the time as well that the person who done it was basically completely unsafe at fucking like at Celtic Park after that. Mm. It was like the casuals go well at fucking mm-hmm. park we kept or the guns right. the fucking Celtic supporters didn't accept it. Mm. And it's kind of like there's a self policing element to that where it's like, right, we can that it wasn't the entire Celtic support that's fucking done this. The Celtic support also fucking like kept that binary all done mm. and fucking wildly dangerous. Especially if you're saying that as a president. If um, that, if that, I think it's the sort of thing where if that hadn't been dealt with the Celtic supporters, the next time the Hibs are fucking like playing through in Glasgow or whatever, the chances are something similar would have probably fucking happened. And it's like it's wildly fucking dangerous. Mm. It's like people could have. I, I was in the crowd that day. It's like fucking genuine. People could have been killed. Like I, people could have been killed, and it was like it was absolutely fucking horrendous. I mean, what I remember is that um, at that point there was a sort of divide Easter Road because the, the terracing had went up and there was a fence and a tiny wee gap and then that was it. Ken, but there wasn't a kind of... Subsequently, a sort of wire mesh thing or whatever went up to stop anything being thrown. But I distinctly remember the casuals, in inverted commas, uh, bouncing up and down and then um, throwing somebody through it. 
and it was I believe it was brought back for Dortmund we played them about a month before um, and I, and at the time I genuinely thought it was a smoke bomb you know just and then the kind of realisation of people like hiding their faces and covering their faces and all that sort of stuff and thinking what the fuck is going on here like you know what I mean it was um, utterly bizarre but you know I think I can't recall certainly in the, in the stadium any incident at Easter Road since then that you would kind of you know I mean alright a few bottles and all that but you, again you can't hold the entire hip support working, um, responsible for one guy throwing a bottle of working butt fast at somebody or whatever um, but but it hurts you know Hertz have had a lot of issues over the years at Tyne Castle I feel with people running on the park and, and all that kind of thing and um, you know so basically Paul Hertz saw hooligans <laughs> I definitely no, but I think I think it's difficult. Well, not difficult. I think it's, it comes from the way fans at Tinkerstone as well. It's not just. I think it's a. They obviously struggle to police it. And I don't know if it's because it's so tight to the pitch, or it's hard. I don't. I don't know. It, it's much tighter to the pitch in a lot of stadiums. So one idiot going over the top can probably do more damage quickly than before it can be stopped. I don't know. I don't think. These games didn't feel particularly well. Even the derbies, like the last couple when there's been coins flung and stuff, they both ends. Like the, the one when Zamal uh, got punched, you know, the boy, mm. like, admittedly it wasn't a punch, but like there was coins and that coming for that end all night. But it doesn't even feel at the time like it's a, like a much worse atmosphere. It's just you look at it and go, look at these fans. It's I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it is more difficult to police. I, I think that may be part of it, but. I mean, I remember even having, when Gary Locke was the manager and he had his fucking family assembled next to the dugout screaming abuse at the Griffiths. No, and I remember... You tried to make the answer for Gary Locke's family, what the fuck? Well, well, he got them the fucking tickets, obviously. But, uh, (laughs) hi, I mean, like, I mean, you know, and also, let's not be, let's not put our our cards on the table here, Paul. You have got previously been on the telly gone berserk. Was uh, that, oh, the Rangers. <laughs> uh, who, who was it? Died for the penalty again. Naismith. Aye, Naismith. Aye, I thought so. Um, in fact, I actually <laughs> remember Mark telling me that he described your behaviour at one game as an embarrassment, and I confirmed Just it. One. I confirmed it with him this week. It was like uh, Hertz against Aberdeen in a midweek game in season two thousand and five oh six. We qualified for the Champions League. I was pushed. That's all. Like I wasn't, I wasn't particularly. I was absolutely steaming. Though I'd had an exam at university that day, and it finished at eleven o'clock. Cause I went right to the pub, and it was an eight o'clock kickoff. <laughs> okay, that's that's one thing. And Jose, can you just describe the incident at Easter Road after we went to the Connolly do and won the bottle of vodka? So where did it start at fucking like nine o'clock? Aye, it was in uh, Gladstones. Aye, in Gladstones in Junction Street. Aye. So we went there at nine o'clock in the morning and started getting. We were buried. Like, we were buried. We were buried, but we, we deliberately done it before I had sales again. It's like, aye, we fucking try. We'll turn around and do this. Uh, and our pal Walshy. It was what? Well, it was Walshy. Aye, aye, aye. Done a raffle and he won a litre of vodka. Mm-hmm. He won a litre of vodka fucking at two o'clock. <laughs> at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it was just like that. Oh, for fuck's sake. So, I did we jump in the taxi? Got a taxi, aye, up to the game, aye. 
Uh, and so we tanned a litre of the vodka in the taxi, which was like, uh, Glasslands is probably about a five, ten minute, ten minute journey. Aye, you're right, aye, aye. Aye, and it was like, aye, I suspect I possibly had beer, but I think fucking, you were absolutely fucking uh, we, we got hoyed, oh, we got hoyed out, I know, I'll come on to that, I know, but I, I just want to find out, or let the listeners know what you got hoyed out for, because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I, sat, I sat quite near the front, quite near the front of the terrace at that and it was, uh, aye, and there was a fucking line, there was a line of fucking boys fucking line, so he proceeded past it. It was like, fucking honest, dressed like fucking stormtroopers or whatever. Mm. So, like, so it was fucking 20 of them or whatever, so they're all walking past and I was like, you're a fascist bastard, you're a fascist bastard, to basically every single one of them. And I think it was the 19th one that actually lost patience with it and just yeah. lifted me. <laughs> fucking honestly, three minutes into the game or something. <laughs> and also, you were also shouting at them, fuck off and die. Right. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. Which I found out later for Dav, who was like, "What the fuck were you doing before the game?" For who, for once, was actually <laughs> sober. Um, me and Walshy were actually in towards the centre stand, uh, so the Hibs end for some. I can't remember why, and uh, probably because he knew our ticket. And um, you know, we weren't making any kind of anonymity about who we were supporting or anything. And this clearly upset the people behind us, particularly when Celtic scored an early goal. And then at some at this point, um, I seen because we were that drunk, we just couldn't give a drop of fuck. I seen somebody bounding over the seats just at the corner of my eye, and I thought, "Hmm, who's this coming?" Like, and so as he got to, I managed to kind of first. I, I don't know how I done this. Basically, flip him over, and then I realised it was Andy Blanche, <laughs> and the entire and the entire CCS were kind of like. Um, Sitting, you know, maybe two, three rows behind us, kind of up in the corner of the stand, and um, it was Brad Welsh that saved their lives because he was like pissing himself laughing with the rest of them or what fucking kill us, obviously. Yeah. We then we then got room to the Celtic end and managed to fucking sweet talk our way in by saying that Pat McGinley had given us the tickets, and we didn't realise it was the Hibs end because I think he'd went back to Hibs by this point, and um, the guy was like off. He said. Well, I don't know what, I don't know what, and he was like, he opened the door, right? Like, did he tell Pat McGinley and just let us in the fucking enclosure? <laughs> fucking but uh, it's amazing because that's one of the first games I remember waking up the next game day and having to check the paper about what the score was. Well, see, see what that one as well, when you said that, it was like, so I, I, go for, I don't know what I I was like, I go for the mid, I go for the mid, and I fucking, like, I had that absolute fucking audacity to fucking, like, go to Tamsin's. Had a couple of pints and I came back fucking like literally half an hour ago. I said, no, that's half an hour. Because yeah. mm. I was just like, ah, I'll just get back in. And it was like, I fucking so came back. Came back fucking and seen the last half hour. So I did actually see from about 35 minutes in total. It was, it was just like, fucking hell, man. <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, it was fucking, because it was, it was December 1995. It shows you 25 fucking years ago. Um, but I, you know, <laughs> winning a litre of vodka at the fucking raffle was because uh, I think your old man was there as well. He was, aye, aye and, and and fucking Dave Hewitt and people like that and all that. But it was just, you know, we were fairly drunk, obviously, before the game, but certainly no that bad until obviously the vodka was because you know. Aye, the the, the litre of vodka definitely tipped over the fucking edge for a bit baby to absolutely fucking intolerably fucking. <laughs> the other one I wanted to bring up was um, so 
so just this when I was thinking about this, Kenny, this came into my head was do you remember the day Hertz went up to Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup uh, in the early nineties, and then your ma and Spiv came back, and we watched the highlights, and we never had any kind of concept of how how the game had went or anything like that, right? And it, it was anyways a two all draw, and Hertz got a penalty late on. And for that moment onwards, Hosey went fucking berserk like. So, <laughs> we fucking, we were half drunk and whatever, Ken. We were probably playing cup ties because it was an early, early round cup tie. And so, we're sitting watching it and that, Ken. Back at 10 at night and fucking next thing, they get the penalty and he's like, ah, what the fuck? That's never a fucking penalty, you fucking cheating jambo bastards and all that kind of thing, right? So, the Hertz then scored the penalty and some of the fans came on the park. He's like, Fucking arrest them! Jail the bastards! And fucking, <laughs> <laughs> and fucking his mother and Spiv are sitting there, obviously they've been at the game. <laughs> shut up, you! No, no, fucking shut up! Fucking jumbo bastards! <laughs> and then for that story, the last one before we go into something else, that time was when, do you remember when we used to play tracksuit manager? And uh, we would yes. watch Scotland England games on the computer, Paul. As if we were watching a real live Scotland England game, and so it would come up and it would be like Scotland appeal for a penalty, not given. And you'd be like, "Yeah, dirty cheating bastard," and all that kind of thing. And then eventually, Rosie's mark comes through. He's like, "What the fuck is what game he's watching?" And it's like it's a computer game, but you can't even see it. Hi. I'm not seeing your point here, man. <laughs> I mean, we used to, cause it, because of all of the nostalgia football that's from World Cups and all that, it's taking me back to the days. I mean, do you remember when we all watched the England Republic of Ireland game in your house, the World Cup? And you saw what Aye. So basically, everybody was in the house, Paul, right? And, and Sparky, who will deny this to this day, was supporting England that night, uh, him and Spiv. And England scored in the first minute, and it was a dire game. And we. We were all on Hosey's bed, which is a big bed at the time, and Sparky and, Sp- and Spiv were had to s- sit on the floor because they were supporting England. So, so they were allowed to uh, sit on the bed. So it was kind of <laughs> games going on, and the games going on, and the games going on, and you're kind of like, for fuck's sake, this isn't even going at all. And we had you know, fucking joints going round and whatever. And mm-hmm. Hosey just literally passed me the ashtray in the joint, and Kevin Sheedy scored. So that was it. The whole fucking ashtray went up in the air. Every cunt attacks Sparky and Spiv. <laughs> and then your majesty just keeps that's it! <laughs> it all spilled out to the fucking street where Willie Lozen that was, Ken fighting. <laughs> it's fucking... Bear in mind we were only 16 at the time, like, Ken. Oh, God. Anyway, it's, it's, it's good to fucking laugh. But again, so I asked you last week, did you ask you again, have you watched any nostalgic football games this week? I watched the cup final for 1998 End of that game. I had it, I saw a Start, clip of it. That, that, that's, that's how he tells run. He's fucking winning the Scottish Cups. We completely non existent penalties. Right. <laughs> that's what I was just going to say. I saw a clip of it, and the fucking penalty they got in the first minute was unbelievable. 
against uh, Rangers. No, no. Against Rangers. The, uh, forgive me for not having sympathy for them. The goal, <laughs> the, the, the second goal, Hertz scored. Who the fuck was the Rangers defender that made a complete arse here? Amaruso. Aye. It was, Paul, I couldn't could remember that. I mean, see, see, thinking back, I didn't think I fucking watched that game on the telly. No? I wouldn't need any collection at all. A hundred percent never. I actually done overtime of work. I missed overtime I've ever volunteered for overtime work when I started. And I went like that because that was the one where I was like that. Nah, personally, got to fucking win this. And I was like, nah, I've got to go in, I'm going to work. Because I was working, I was working at McDonald's Road at the time. Aye. And I basically went, I was staying in Clemson in Manana. And I turned around and I was like that. There's not a fucking chance that I'm going to be in fucking like in Clarison fucking after Hertz and one fucking cup because <laughs> it's got to be absolutely fucking round with them. Aye. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and work, I'm going to take this change of clays away and I'm going to go do the couples and fucking meet a fucking few of the fucking heavy fucking mates and stay with one with them and leave that that day. Because I fucking refuse to go. I think I went home. I go, I live in a cloak on the Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And I was just no fucking avoiding Clemson because I was absolutely convinced the hell were that and they did. Because the only hippie I'm aware of in Clemson is, or from Clemson, is Tam Dean Bun. Um, and you know, there's that, there's that, there's actually a few like funny enough, my mate that was staying, like he's he was originally like he's, there's like it, it, it's one of the like fucking Edinburgh schemes are always going to be funny because it depends where you're going not do. And there was like there was always a few heavies in Clary, but at any time what it was, it was I'm sure there was a big leaf they would knock down, mm-hmm. and they would be Clary at the time. So that's the reason why fucking there's a, a sort of heavy contingent from Clary. But vast majority. There was um, definitely. I mean, I think we spoke about this before. Like, but there's a dividing Clary between Park Grove side and Drumbray side. That as as parochial Scotland always does, Ken. It's. Uh, I remember Big Mooney for the bus used to always kind of can't see oh, I'm for Clary, what, what side are you? And they would go oh the Park Grove side and be like fucking drum Bray side and, and walk away, you know? <laughs> it's fucking um it's it's mental, it's um, cause fucking somebody says to me during the week actually we was talking about Leaf and they said I I heard this all yuppified and all that and I was like fucking hell you obviously didn't cut the cunt sack in do you know what I mean <laughs> it's fucking um, it's like as you would say pure extent uh-huh. no entirely at all oh fucking hell I mean it's uh, I always find it funny walking past I can't remember what the fuck it is you'll probably know Jose the whatever it is now, but what used to be Morrison's in Leith Walk, you know, with the three levels. Oh, um, the, the pub. Aye, aye. It's, uh, it's, it's a fucking, it's the end of a light show or something. And aye. it's like, aye. Because that used so, to... By the way, speaking, speaking of there, what was on the third level? Well, the pool tables were, and that were on the second level, weren't they? Aye. Fuck knows, maybe a function suite or something, I don't know. Um, but I, 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 I used to drink it regular, and it's it, and it was like it was a one point I was like I didn't even care what the fuck is up the stair there because it was like it was a parking pub, it was like that, but it was absolutely fuck all there. I think there was maybe plans to turn it into a nightclub or something. And then we kind of went three flares, a yeah, massive fucking boozer already. Uh, we probably then be fucking open a nightclub or not. I mean, I, I, my, the, I've got some memories that we probably shouldn't talk about on this podcast, but. 
the the one abiding memory I've got to there is um, when we were there in there and the, the Leith Roseburn were having their AGM and we decided to play the Proclaimers on the jukebox all the way through it until fucking that um, Gilby and Cardowney were like who the fuck's playing this and oh for fuck's sake I might have known him that kind of thing okay? um, because I'm, I'm, I'm actually surprised that we didn't deliberately go that night just to hear that. Because the, <laughs> their bus used to leave for Robbie's, didn't it? No, 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 it wasn't it? It's a Collie Dog. Collie Dog, sorry, that's what it was, aye. Aye, you're right, aye. Collie Dog, which is now, well, I was going to say Boda, but it isn't even fucking Boda now, it's uh, changed relatively recently. Can't remember what it's called. Never been in it since it's changed. Because I remember, um, you know, apart from the fact it's a bit bizarre having a Leaf Roseburn bus, considering how far away they are from each other, there was a thing in um, Hibs Monthly at the time with a guy who used to do the cartoons, and one of them was basically the Leaf Roseburn bus euthanizing itself over a cliff. And they went mental about it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway. Anyway, aye, so Paul, so you watched the Hertz, um, so what age would you have been then, Paul, about 40? <laughs> uh, 12, aye, 8, 12, coming up 13. So, what what was your, what, how did you, I mean, what was your day, What? how did you get through? Um, got a bus, like a minibus. Mm-hmm. I can't even mind ha- who half the folk were. It was, um, remember General, his, some of his pals had arranged a bus and we ended up on it. Mm-hmm. Um, stopped at a club on the way through. Kind of club? Oh, but it was boiling. It was a kind of club? Day. Eh? What kind of club? A bowling club. A bowling club. Oh, no, dodgy. Right. could be. Yeah, right. Keep no, going. No, it's the one went to for the Airdrie. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, well, you went to, I should say. <laughs> um, Aye, so where were you sitting about? Uh, behind the goals. Well, in the, on the corner, you know, they were doing the, the behind mm-hmm. the goal stand up at uh, Celtic Park at the time. So in the corner, but... Right. Because I remember that because Amaruso took a free kick in the first half that was so high and wide it was ridiculous and the boy behind me punched it and we were about 50 rows up. <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I, I remember no, but I don't know how much it is through having watched it since and stuff and my memory sticking, but... And what did you do I after the game? I got back game. I got sent him. <laughs> so my brothers went up to to get pushed. And uh, I went back and my old man, who wasn't a hurt fan, no. was sitting half jaked when I got in saying go on the jet like pretending he was serving a celebrating a drink he was just wanting to have a pint I was like he didn't even excuse that this way that was that reminds me uh, I can't remember what fucking new year it was but Hosey would have been involved at some point but anyway me and Sparky you know living quite close to each other at the time um, he said oh come back after new year I've got plenty of drink in the house Great. So we go back to Jesus and your old man was lying comatose on the f- living room floor, done all of everything. And uh, we went to sleep in the bunk beds, Ken. And Mark was fucking raging, like, and he basically then went through the entire Scotland World Cup qualifying campaigns and why Scotland didn't win the trophy that year. Such was his anger, just <laughs> fucking stuff. Um, Aye, so you go back. Did Chris not get done in that night? Aye, he got weathered. Because for people who don't know, my brother played for Hearts at the time, but he was a youth player. And he scored the winner on the, the night before the final, I think, the night before the final, in the Youth Cup final. Mm, mm. So he was on top of the world. And he, 
he was only like 17 I think and he got invited to like the main party after we won the cup back at Tynecastle so he was steaming and he got jumped by Hibs fans on Gorgie Road so I, I'm assuming they were, they were out for trouble since they were Hibs fans on Gorgie Road Hosey <laughs> was probably among them <laughs> but he said that he was with one of the, the players at the time one of the young boys eh, Darren Goldie and he said Goldie we're going to have to fight here and he turned around and Goldie had gone <laughs> and he got leathered and he, he'd stole my brother Mark's jacket that night it was a leather jacket well, and he wasn't meant to have taken it and he was like as long as, as boys butter me all you want just didn't touch your jacket which of course they then ripped the jacket off <laughs> Jesus Christ almighty when we went home I think Mark was going to get him another black eye because <laughs> on, on the Sunday they got to parade the youth cup on the pitch with mm. the, the same thing and Chris was walking out with a big massive pair of sunglasses on <laughs> what, what was the other one it, was a, it reminds me of another story where you and Chris were in bother after a Hertz game <laughs> oh, um, uh, we'd beat Basel but we'd been out watching it in Edinburgh mm-hmm. and uh, we went up to him fine we didn't bother we were just having a drink we went up to him and uh, we got knocked back to our club. And Chris went, I bet you're a fucking heavy, eh? And he went, aye. <laughs> it kind of just frosted. I'm pretty sure he then phoned ahead to the next boozer. And said, like, watch out for these these boys. Because we went into espionage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like three levels. And by the time aye. we got to the level, boy, the bouncer came up to me and went, you've had too much to drink. You go, I was like, I've not had a drink. I've literally <laughs> just came in. I went, your boy upstairs just let me in. No, you go, and I was like, of course, we should have just went. We were like, no, fuck, I want, I want a drink. And uh, basically, we got fucking leathered off the bouncers of the <laughs> And I was quite young, I was only about 18 or something, and the guy says to Chris, he watch your wee brother getting barred, and he like, hit my face off like the brick wall. <laughs> <laughs> but then Chris looks to pull up, fucking stuck a nut on the boy. And then the guy chucked me out the back stairs at the gas market, and he, he tried to actually chuck me down the stairs, and I grabbed onto the banister. Mm. And he was like, let go. I was like, no. <laughs> <I'll> let go. <laughs> let go. So it's like you're flinging down the stairs proper. No. I'm so not going to do that. I phoned the police because we've been butter, right? We've generally done anything wrong. And the police turned up. And I was like, ah, you're not so smug now. The police are here. And as I had my hand up, pointing at the boy, <laughs> the policeman took my hand, took it right on my back and shot me in the back of the van and we spent the night in the cells. Absolute disaster. One of the funniest fight incidents I've ever seen in my life was, and uh, I'll let Hosey jump in after I tell the story, that, um, so we went, I can't remember what the fuck we were doing, but we went back, back to this to a house party in, in fucking Muirhouse Avenue. In fact, I think it was Yeezo's birthday, now I can't think it. Anyway, so Dav and his wisdom invited Doddy's boys for somewhere that nobody knew, and, um, you know, a recipe for disaster, basically, Ken. And um, they all got chucked out this the house party for I don't know what fucking reason I can't even remember, but um, so the point was that we were going we all left in solidarity, and that they were, we were going to get them a taxi to wherever the fuck they were going, and we were going to go back to Hosey's house. So Dav Hosey and the boys were just ahead of me, maybe I don't know hundred meters, two hundred meters, and we're walking along Muris Avenue towards the doctor's surgery right in Pennywell Road, and then they veered off. The guys went right to get a taxi. Hosey and Dav went left, obviously, to go to Hosey's house. So I was like, well, oh, cool. So by the time I got to Pennywell Road, the fucking taxi driver was knocking fuck out the boys <laughs> in the taxi. 
um, for God knows what reason. And then he was throwing them in the back to take them up to Drylo Polo Station, right? So he was clear. So I'm like, what the fuck has happened here? I wait to sort of turn around to Hosey and Dav and say, what the fuck's happened here? They two are rolling about Kibby's Hill, fighting. <laughs> Hosey's on top of him, pouting. I'm like, Hosey, what the fuck are you doing? He's pounding Dav on the fuck. This must have happened in the space of 20 seconds. It's also, it's also about half five with the fucking water. <laughs> I know. So um, we then had to then sort of separate Jose and Dav, go up to the polo station to try and get these boys out the polo station. And Dav and his wisdom started to press the buzzer constantly. And the boy was like, I'm telling you now, if you fucking press that buzzer again, you're jailed, son, okay? And it, it, it was basically, and if I remember rightly, Jose, did Dav be, blame you for them getting arrested? Aye. <laughs> it was like it was like we put them in a fucking taxi it was like they were, they were going to Pennycook and it was like we put them in a fucking taxi and he's like that that's your fault they've got lifted I'm like how the fuck's it my fault they've got lifted I have they got fuck off and it's like he's like that oh because if they came to your house then fucking like they wouldn't have been lifted I'm like how the fuck do you call it how's that my fault <laughs> Just like, it, was, it was just like that. But he fucking, he swung at me. He swung at me for them getting lifted. I was like, the fuck you, what are you doing? Oh, God. If I had a pound for every time that situation happened between you two. I remember we went to a Hibs Celtic game in the early noughties and met and meet the both of them after the fucking game. And um, <laughs> it was like, standing in the pub and oh, was his girlfriend phoned me are you waiting on Darren Allen I said I I don't know if you're coming they had a fight outside the group <laughs> talking about and it was something about <laughs> I mean bear in mind the source they were arguing about the, the Celtic won one out that night and they were arguing about whose fault it was for the goal and fucking ha- then Dab accused Jose of drinking too much <laughs> Uh, and that was it oh god fucking hell which probably wouldn't be true but considering which was, pro- which was probably fucking fair enough in terms of you drinking too much however considering the fucking sauce man it was like that for you <laughs> oh I mean the seems uh, no mental 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 but uh, okay so we'll change that a bit and we'll set the the player in the game so the player because I thought this might take me uh, that I set you to find out about was Ian Black Paul do you want to Kick off I think it's hard to think anything unique about him, but well, apart from the fact he got banned for football for gambling. <laughs> well, aye, well, uh, he's he's back playing now. He's playing juniors, isn't he? He's playing Is for like, Dunbar or something. Uh, the first thing I never noticed about him was his old man. I knew his old man played for Hearts. I never knew his old man played for Hibs as well. Back in the back in the seventies, I think it was. Mm. But. It was more the the one where he got capped for Scotland. <laughs> I think it ties in with what we're talking about earlier, is, uh, how much a stubborn prick Ray Levine is. Mm. Because he got called up when he was in the third division at mm-hmm. Easter Road. Almost right. like it was a complete trolling exercise in the Scotland. Because like, he'd actually had two really good seasons for Hearts before that. Hadn't he got a sniff of a cap? And then he went into the third division and the first, first squad after it, he was in and then he came on for like two minutes at Easter Road. Mm-hmm. I think that was just to rub salt in the wounds. Aye. I was at that game, actually. Aye. There you go. A few months after we won the cup. It was a good... Australia, yeah. Aye. Australia, aye. 
Because he played for Inverness, Cali Thistle and all, didn't he? Aye, that's where we signed him for. Um, and then did he, what? So, but see, the thing is, I thought what you might mean did, was there not a period where he ended up painting and decorating? Oh, aye, when when Hertz won the pound of push, he ended up he ended up paint, uh, helping his mate paint and decorating for a few quids on the side. You know, there seems to be a theme in this podcast that Hertz really aren't good at anything. <laughs> 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 um, Jose, would you regard him as anything other than just a, an average animal? <laughs> he was an absolute fucking prick. I fucking hated him. <laughs> I, I'll say, I say dead. Yeah, I'm not sure that's true. He's still a fucking prick. I absolutely fucking despise him. Hated him as a football player. Hated him as a fucking jambo. Fucking just generally hated the cunt. The fact that he was capped at all for Scotland with a fucking national embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> He could have any point in the previous two years. I, he could have, but he should be. Because he, he, he was good for Hertz for three years. It's a thug. Hertz fans have got this thing, to be honest, every player that plays for them is fantastic until they leave. And then oh, they were hopeless. He was fantastic by any stretch, but he had two good years for us. Because his first season he was pretty poor. But was he not surrounded by players that he never paid? <laughs> <laughs> For the last year, I probably. <laughs> that, that kind of helps, like, you know. Um, but aye, he was uh, obviously the, the guy. Because he's not done like 700 bets or something like that. Something like that. And he was actually betting against the same teams half of them, wasn't he? <laughs> Sounds like a great guy. And the game, which a lot of people will probably fucking didn't even know existed, I said it was Scotland nil. And then everybody's thinking, this could be against anybody. Scottish. Football League Select 1 19, August 1990 Centenary of the Scottish Football League They decide To uh, Have this bizarre game The Hosey Were you at this game? I Honestly See when you said that I was like Is this a wind up? I can't even remember this game When you fucking When you said that I didn't think you said the date And then I was like I looked at it I was like 1990 I was like I would be fucking sentient at that point. I was like, I'm literally not a fucking clue that it even happened. I, I might have been in the game, but I can't remember that at all. It was, it was only 15,000 there at Hamden. I was at the game, like, um, Hans Hillhouse scored a penalty after 12 minutes. Um, Scotland team, bear in mind, Scotland had just come back for the World Cup. Um, it was like, see, John Collins played for Scotland that day. Um, the the squad of the um, teams, or if you want to throw in any comment, uh, in the Scottish football these days, it was Charlie Nicholas, Celtic, Billy McKinley, Dundee United, Keith Wright, Dundee, Pat Bonner, Celtic, Theo Snelders, Aberdeen, Robert Connor, Aberdeen, David Robertson, Aberdeen, Mirjad Kavokovic, Dundee United, Tom Boyd, Motherwell, Freddie Van Der Hoorn, Dundee United, Hans Hillhouse, Aberdeen, Isfan Cosma, Dunfermline, Gary Stevens, uh, the Huns, Chris Morris, Celtic, Paul Lambert, St Mirren, and Jim McAnally, Dundee United. Do you know who the manager was of the team? No, Jim McLean. Jim McLean. Right. It's, pretty, it's a pretty strong team. Aye, 
For what? Yes, I mean, if something like that these days, nobody would turn up when yeah. I'd be absolutely dross. No, I know. <laughs> what would be your select? How could you bring up a Scottish football select now? The players that didn't play for Scotland. You know what I mean? I mean, it would just be all foreigners. Aye. Um, <laughs> it's bit, uh, but it was I. It was to celebrate the centenary of the Scottish Football League. Um, and it was played, as I say, it was played in August. I think it was played after the... It was played the... the, the Sorry, the Sunday after the first league games of the season that year. Um, and, Paul, you, you pointed out something about the strip as well. I just thought it was bizarre that... Considering we're playing Scotland at Hampden and it was a one-off team that didn't have any kind of colours, they make their strip blue with fucking... Hi, Sky Blue. Um, and do you know who sponsored that? I do because I've seen it earlier, but uh, uh, was it B&Q? B&Q. There you go, Because uh. I think B&Q was sponsoring the Scottish League at that time, I think, would they not? Oh, I can't remember. Of course you were young, but... Uh, Aye, a, 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 a truly bizarre game. I mean, it, one of the things it made me think of was that, do you think there would be any sort of appetite in Scotland under normal circumstances for a kind of community shield game between the league champions and cup winners? No. Um, I think it would probably involve a lot of the same teams a lot of the time, so probably no. Mm. Uh, I, I think... Something as a one-off game like that would be quite interesting, like a Scotland versus a league select or something, or, or like a Scottish foreign players league, uh, select against Scottish players for the league or something, would be good yeah. as a one-off. What would happen is that everybody would just moan like fuck that their players are being picked and they could potentially get fucking injured in a game which doesn't benefit the fuck. But on, on the flip that's side... exactly what would happen Yeah, absolutely every. It was like everybody would hate it. <laughs> On the flip side, everybody moan about that if our players getting injured, but then moaning their players weren't selected in the first place. Now the fuck was he not picked? And it's, uh, it, it's like it's a it's a wild roller coaster of emotions. He should be picked, but also should he be? <laughs> I mean, it is it's kind of bizarre. You, you talk about nostalgia and games and going back to that era, and now in, in terms of right now the Scottish national team sort of gone into why they've no qualified for anything <laughs> like ever. Um, you know, I think there's a growing lot of people now who probably couldn't even tell you who's in the fucking Scotland squad these days. And yet the interest used to be enormous. You know, I was talking and writing about uh, the game in 85 when Scotland went down to Ninian Park, you know, against Wales. I mean, you know, the fucking... They would, you talk about a lockdown. The streets would have been like a lockdown that night. Everybody watching the telly, like, you know. Um, I mean, you could go into the political reasons and all that kind of thing, but I just think, you know, we, we're at a stage now with Scottish national team where we can't even fill the ground. You know? I think partly as well was lack of success for quite a while now. The younger generation haven't seen anything to get behind, frankly. It's been, we've been murdered for years. I go to the games, and as you say, like, it's, it's I think that depressing that we can't fill our stadium for qualifiers and, and whatnot, but it's coming down to pricing and stuff as well. SFA know that they've got a fucking core support that will turn up regardless and they're not really interested in trying to, to grow it. Mm. Well, I think I think it shows you you've got the playoff against Israel. It's pretty much a sellout, I think, or very close to, mm. because they made tickets 15 quid. If you do that, people will go. Yeah, I mean, that whole thing, I mean, I think you've touched on one of the things here, like for me anyway, was that 
I really can't get my head around this playoff thing at all. Where Scotland were in a group with Israel, uh, won it, and then went a, now going to a playoff against Israel. I mean, what you know? It's just to me, it's like. I yeah, mean, we're throwing them in the next qualifiers as well. So we'll complete them something like six times. And do you think that? I mean, taking away the you know we could go on all day about the SFA and then that kind of thing. Concentrating purely on the football side. I spoke to somebody who was a player and basically they blame Craig Brown for the demise of the Scotland team in the sense that he never promoted younger players and then votes had to basically cast the net out. I mean, do you think votes gets a bum rap because of that? No, I think I think some of the positives he did introduce get lost in all the, the abuse he gets. But equally, he never done a good job. He got Scotland to the playoffs. The group was fucking murder. Like, and we drew with the Pharaohs. Like, nah, I, I don't think he gets a bum rap. I think, I think he's done a lot of good things as well. To be fair, as I say, like he broke through guys like McFadden and Fletcher who became mainstays, and as you say, we'd never got a looking under Brown unless Fletcher had already cemented the man place. But I think overall, it was fucking brutal. The Moldova game as well, where he was getting abuse for the touchline and stuff, and. Just now was a it was a one all I think it was it was one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I mean, it is one as well. I it's some of the Scotland are genuinely absolutely shit at it and at a national level is there's no succession plan for stuff. Mm-hmm. There's no well we are not that now, so
and it's only when you, the years gone on. But the, you know, I just think, I mean, there is of course club football has become just the be all and end all, you know, and you know I wasn't in favour of the European Championships and World Cup, you know, being extended. Because you know, those it just kind of meant that a lot of rubbish was there, and a lot of games I'm not fucking interested in, and all that sort of thing. Whereas you know, the the World Cups, and obviously Scotland, when we were growing up, no, no, obviously no, you Paul, but um, Scotland were always qualifying. You always had an interest. Um, I mean, it's it's nineteen eighty two the first World Cup you remember, Jose? I'm going to say I can remember Argentina. But I'm not sure that I can. Nah, I can't. I, like I, see, I'm kind. Of, I, my, the thing that I've got in my head with is that the Argentina World Cup, the games were late as fuck. Mm-hmm. The games were on at two. I'm going to say like ten or o'clock at night or something like that. Aye. And I was able to sort of stay up for them. Although I've basically I would have been staying up anyway. It was like because that's what I was like as a beer. And it's like, but I've got a vague memory. I can't remember the games at all. But I can mind. Can mind eighty two. Aye, oh, I, I remember that vividly actually. What would yours be, Paul? America or? That I remember, aye. I remember we bit say Italian it just I think because people was loads of folk in their house and stuff watching games nah. and stuff like There wasn't loads of folk in your house watching games. Nah. I remember we, like, we watched it all in Hosey's house, Mark and all that as well. Aye, but I thought Chris had pals around and stuff like that. Chris pals? Oh. <laughs> Bear in mind he was only ten year old at the time as well. I thought there was people in the house. I remember nah. games. Maybe I watched it later. Because I can, I can remember distinctly when we watched Sweden England, uh, no, uh, no Sweden England, um, um, what do you call it? Cameroon England in, in Hosey's house. Because we'd watch the games, if Hosey, you'll remember, we, wa- we watched the highlights of Scotland Egypt in your house. And honestly, I thought Mark was going to have to be put on a defibrillator that night. Because what we'd done was we had deliberately avoided the score. So we could watch the highlights at that night. It was at Petaudry, I think, the game. Where was that? And Scotland, Brian Gunn was in goals and Scotland were absolutely torn to pieces, like. And just Sparky was just sitting there like a giver and wreck shout, shouting, saying fucking Egypt over and over again. <laughs> and I think okay. was, I, we, we just moved, we just moved. Who's when uh, Egypt died after that Egypt game? And Mark put a hole in the door when he came home. My mum was going, on an ashtray. <laughs> it's a friendly, isn't it? It was a friendly. I, I just remember the fact we had a hole in our door for years, and that's what it came to. <laughs> but in terms of the one that I remember, I ninety four was the first one I, I liked, like enjoyed, and I was still only ten, but I mean, but enjoyed. I recommend. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I enjoyed the America World Cup. Yeah. Well, I liked it because it was the first one I remembered. Like, I thought it was cool and all the strips and that. I had, I'm pretty sure I had like, the America. And it was fucking horrible. <laughs> that one, the, the, the Star Spangled Banner on it. Was, I thought it was cool as fuck when I was a bear. I mean, I, I, I know that was here or anything, but the, I remember the game, it was just too hot. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I, my abiding memory was uh, John Aldridge ready to kill a boy on the, on, on, the, on the side of the fucking park because he wouldn't let him go on or something like that. <laughs> and he was literally spitting better but I mean the players were losing like a stone again and fluids coming out their bodies and all that sort of thing and the final wasn't that great and you know Baggio missed the penalty he was brilliant uh, that World Cup eh? um, in fact the only fucking game apart from the final Baggio didn't score on was against Ireland I think 
Um, but aye, it's, it really is. It's um, there doesn't seem to be as much in any focus. People are just sort of so kind of lethargic towards the fact that you know Wales can do it and, and the North Ireland can do it and Ireland can do it and qualify. Regardless of what they do at the tournaments, um, they can still qualify. I mean, Ireland qualified rubbish. 2012, but, but Trapatoni managed to get them there. Then they're in a group with Spain, Italy, Croatia. They've got to get fucked, but they're there. Ken, Scotland can't even get to that point anymore. And it's almost as like everybody's kind of forgot the fact that we've not qualified for 22 years. And uh, as Hosey said, you know, it's taken months and months and months to sell out a game that could get us as close to it as it's been for 20, 20 odd years. Yeah. It's definitely an apathy there. I. I go, but it's fucking tough at times even even got to the games because the experience is shit as well. Like Hamden's fucking horrible to get back to if it's midweek. You're always getting the last train or, or whatever back. It's fucking, if you miss it, which I've done before, it's a disaster getting home. And you, I never seem to actually en- enjoy the day, like having a few beers and all that before it, and then for, for the, the end of the game, it's, it always seems to be a nightmare because inevitably you suffer fucking defeat in the games that matter as well. And what do you think of these I wankers think... that turn up in kilts? <laughs> no, for me. <laughs> I mean, I think that's one of the things that's ruined it. For me, it really has. When I went... When... Um, Go on, Jose. I was going to say, I've been in two smaller games since they first played one in Ireland. And one of them was at the Emirates and the other one was in fucking... was in Portugal. That's the two games Aye, that was when you basically inflicted fucking Gordon Stracker on us for another campaign. <laughs> um, the, 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 I mean, like, my memories of watching Scotland um, early, no, late 80s, early 90s was working class guys from all football clubs going to watch Scotland. Then this fucking Highland procession starts to people wearing all that shite and I just never really couldn't really get into that I mean you're obviously one of these tossers that wore a kilt at your wedding Paul um, can you defend it at all? I have to defend myself The only reason I remember that by the way is because for some reason you've got that picture on your hotmail thing On hotmail? Uh, you've got a picture, okay, of you, picture, picture of you and your kilt I genuinely didn't even kind of have a picture on my hotmail <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, but, but I just didn't I've get been it i I've been hacked. God, I, I, that'll, that'll I have to stay up my profile picture with an actual picture of me. But I mean, did he, did, see these... How I mean, the fuck used to watch all I've just had it for years and never caught the tape. Same here. What are, you, what, what are you supposed to have now, like? Well, fucking... I, uh, hotmail, like, I had, I had one for a while. And then it was just like, no fucking... I ditched it quite a long time ago because the amount of absolute shit I went through it was unbelievable. You never answer emails anyway. That's because I get all this shit. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, I mean, do you think these people see these people that turn up in these things and whatever, Paul? Are they kind of just here for the beer, or do they actually know anything about football? Oh, I, I think it tends to be a lot of guys from up north and that as well, or guys that follow smaller club, like clubs. Yes. Probably. <laughs> Did you get that? I mean, Hearts fans have got these club games. As far as I, I've um, you go and you go on a Hearts forum or that around fucking international team and nobody gives a fuck. Mm. Right, I mean, I'll be honest with you, straight up, it's the worst fucking weeks of the season for me. The international break, and if we've got any players it's, playing, it's just I just didn't want them to get injured. It's, 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 it's,
and, and on national group are like one of the worst developments in fucking mm-hmm. oh, Horrible. When the game when the games were midweek, it was actually it was really interesting. It was like that because it's just that. And now you've got like Scotland. Oh well, you're playing on the Thursday night and then the Sunday, and that's it. And it's like right, okay, that's fucking two games that I'm not really that hard to do. Mm-hmm. And I basically what fortnight with two like any type of an interest. And it's like if it was if they switched it back to midweek, I I get the reasoning behind that, like the reasoning behind it where they turned around and went, no, we'll turn around, we'll do that, that's not saying that way we should get less calls, whatever. They should just fucking implement the fucking rules that they've got, which is that if a player is not fucking like able to fucking play for his international team, he can't play in the following game. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that solves that fucking problem. That completely solves that problem. And it stops, it fucks the calendar. Mm-hmm. It fucks the calendar totally. It means that you can't play any games in these fucking weeks, even if you haven't got any cut. Even if you haven't got anybody fucking playing in internationals, Aye. it's like there isn't any fucking there isn't any league one or league two fucking games. It's like they, they got people getting called up to fucking sport, international squads. Why the fuck are they not playing games? It's like it doesn't even clash. It doesn't even clash with the internationals because they're never going to open us up. Mm-hmm. It's fucking absolutely fucking mental. It's like I just didn't get that. Call. I mean, the last international game I was at was Ireland against Germany. Um, Couple of year ago, and the reason I went was because well, I could get a ticket, but Germany had previously played Scotland at Hamden, and what was this? was it three one, three two, something like that? The score. The game was it? Uh, Germany at Hamden, the, the most recent one was it three one, three two to Germany. Three two. Three two, and I was so impressed with the German team that night. It just moved up the gears easily. I thought, right, I'll go and go and watch them, and fucking Ireland beat them one out. <laughs> Hadn't um, uh, Shane Long scored the goal, but I mean, there's definitely much more passion for the team at an Ireland game than there is at Scotland game. Like, you know, the country can unite to, to support the team, whereas I don't think fucking Scotland's capable of uniting about fucking anything. You know what I mean? You look at Brexit, you look at fucking independence referendum, you know, you look at the squabbling about Scottish football, you look about fucking people going on about the lockdown and all that kind of thing. I mean, we, if the Olympics had arguing like fuck, uh, you know, we would win the gold medal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Look at it, nobody in particular, Jose. Arguing's a good thing. Aye, aye. The problem is, is when um, Jose does this thing when he's arguing where he has this looky astonishment on his face when you've even brought up the point that's different to him. You know what I mean? <laughs> That you've insulted his intelligence by even suggesting that he's wrong, you know? You've offended you've offended me with your opinion. It's like it's just I that's wrong. <laughs> I mean um your brother Mark used to be the same, but I think he's kinda he's he's kinda went soft a wee bit. He's not as it's kinda vitriolic when he's arguing as he as he used to be like, yeah. Um uh, and and you know Chris is just you know he can't he he's impossible to just have a conversation with no mind a fucking argument with. But uh, we'll we'll wrap things up. Um, so any thoughts about the coming week? We've got the meeting tomorrow. SPFL board. Hertz going to be relegated, Paul. I think almost certainly. Jose, you happy with that? Delighted. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm actually not. I'm fucking that. That is the answer. True. I'm not delighted with that. It'd be far better if the season was finished and they were properly relegated. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take I'll take some pleasure out of it, but it's like 
nothing like fucking if they'd actually been relegated properly. It's like that. Just would it's still going to have the same enjoyment. Well, I'd still enjoy it, at least a wee bit. <laughs> and uh, somebody said to me, you know, oh, Celtic get crowned champions, will you celebrate? I'm like, no, no. I mean, nine in a row. I mean, you, you actually probably wouldn't see if you'd asked me the question two months ago. I'd be like, oh, no, it's not going to be the same, this and that next thing. But the amount of knicker twisting the Huns have got themselves in is just, uh, you know, delirious. And it's fucking one of the things where it's just going to be so per- so brilliant just to keep winding him up and I think it was Frankie Boyle says you know I hope we get fucking awarded 10 in a row for no reason at all just to see the looks of these cunts faces like Ken um, so I so hopefully we'll be back next week and um, hopefully I mean first of all Jose will you be answering text messages this, this week or uh, probably second half of the week what's happening in the first half of the week like I'm still busy as fuck so where, where exactly are you now? Is, have you got? I mean, I know this is a visual gag, and it's, is that an iPad you've got in your warrior? Tell. It looks fucking tiny. It's not. It's just an angle. So like, is is your bed kind of? So you sort of lying on your bed, face up, seeing that above you. Ah. What the fuck is that? You're behind you, a jail. Oh, my bed. There's one wall. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've got the telly on the wall and you just lie in the bed watching the telly? What? I mean, that throws up all sorts of connotations, let's face it. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, have you got a telly in your room? I do, that. Is it on the wall? I don't watch it very often, to be honest. Is it on the wall? I'm the same. I mean, that's not, this, that's not even a telly. It's like, well, uh, obviously, it is a telly. But it's just... <laughs> It's got a Chromecast. It's got a it's basically what a Chromecast. It's got a Chromecast on it, so it's like so. There's some shit that I watch. Mm-hmm. There's some shit that I watch, or some shit that Fiona will watch, which fucking like neither of them was interested in. So it's like so, you just fucking fight one time. The joys of the Alan Holy Alan Jose household there. Eh? <laughs> right, so we'll wrap up. Uh, are you in your bedroom now, Paul? By the way. So is that a headboard behind you? Sitting in the bed. A bit weird, is it not? What's that thing to your left? <laughs> well, you got to do the washing after this, have you? Uh. Alright, well, we'll wrap things up and uh, we'll see you next week and hopefully um, you two will behave yourselves before then. Goodbye. <laughs>